0: Romans chapter 10, if you have your Bibles. Most of us, probably in here, if we thought of a part of our physical body that we would spend time and think was worth making beautiful, the feet would not be on that top ten list. But yet, in the scripture we're going to read, God says that the
1: feet of some is beautiful. And God looks at things a very different way.
0: This is a little old. This is actually about 10 years old. A survey it was taken back in 2012. It said at that time there were, uh, there were about 7 billion people on the planet, out of which... 750 million are professing Christians and of some way or another, that's 11%. About 2.6 billion or about 38% of the world's population has heard the gospel but not received Christ. That leaves just over 50% of the world's population or at that time about 3.5 billion people who have neither heard nor been able to give the realistic opportunity to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Or another way to look at this, in the earth there are 11,646 different groupings of peoples. Out of that, 6,700 groupings, or about 60%, contain between 0 or 2% of evangelistic Christians. That means that they have no churches, no Bibles, no Christian
1: literature, no mission agencies, no one to share the gospel with them. That's the world we live in.
0: That there are many who do not know Jesus Christ
1: and they are perishing. Cities and places on my heart, Cleveland, population of three hundred sixty-seven, 367,000 people, Brigham, New York, 47,500
0: people. Poughkeepsie, New York, 31,850 people. Nations that I pray for include India of 1.4 billion people. Latvia has 1.8 million people. Ireland is still on my heart
1: because it always will be, Lad, of 5 million people, of which some of them will profess
0: to be Christians, but many of them are simply religious. The text we're going to read, uh, Paul writes, and he he starts a series of questions backwards, and we're going to look at these, about bringing the gospel outside the four walls of a building and into not only our society, but into the world. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a quote out of the Old Testament. It is used a number of times in the New Testament. But verse 14 is the question, But how can they call upon him to save unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him? Unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the
1: messengers. Who bring good news. It is impossible to read the gospels.
0: And not catch God's heart for the lost. It's impossible to read and experience Pentecostal Christianity
1: and not understand that that is a missionary-minded spirit. Mark
0: chapter 16, verse 15, very familiar to some. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel
1: to everyone. Pastor Mitchell would say, We do not need... uh, Pastor Mitchell would say that the issue is that we need to plant more
0: churches and send more preachers. He would say that every year. He would bring out these thought that, you know what, the world doesn't just need churches, it needs preachers. It needs people who would stand and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost... And dying world. The realities of hell and sin. The realities of a a people that are perishing without even knowing it sometimes. Jesus said in Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers into his fields over and over you get the understanding that Jesus's compassion his heart his desire is for the unreached masses of people uh, that he sees them he's moved by them the church uh, is said to be a rescue mission an on a rescue mission uh, whether that's local evangelism like Brian testified about or whether that's world evangelism to take the gospel outside uh, maybe borders of states uh, or nations and into other places. This is the commission of the church and Pentecostals should be locked into this. Pastor Mitchell gave an illustration one time of a church that over the door, the exit door, it said, uh, as you were leaving the church, it said, you are now entering the harvest field. To let you know that when you walk through the door, this is what is happening. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the result of that will be, you will be a witness. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem and throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That Pentecostal Christianity is evangelistical. As James Kennedy once said, the world, one of the saddest statistics about our day is 95% of all church members have never led anyone to Christ. That's a horrible and horrifying statistic. But it bears an understanding and a couple of questions. When is the last time you've done anything
1: to reach the world? Like witness to someone. given them an invitation, invited them out, heard them out and and talked to them. I had a
0: vendor recently... Open up to me and he going through a personal struggle uh, and allowed me to begin to talk to him and minister to him. Uh, he's, it's, it's a, just a difficult situation. Uh, a man I'm going to see a number of times in the future, but he opened up. I was able to share with him Christ uh, just in daily business. I wasn't on an outreach like yesterday. I wasn't on, uh, uh, you know, a time of I set out to witness. Uh, we were simply going to discuss business, but
1: it gave me the opportunity to talk. Talk to him about Christ. See, time changes things. We have to understand that. Some things are available today that may not be available tomorrow. When I was a new convert,
0: God had really dealt with me to talk to this one man. I was just a new convert. He, he had just, I had just gotten saved. I don't even re- think I was filled with the Holy Spirit yet. It's an older man. He used to pump gas at a gas station that my, I worked at. My brother worked at. My father used to keep the books for and things. And so, you know, I, we knew the owner. We knew the well. This guy was the Sunday afternoon guy. He would pump gas and, and uh, full service station back when the station actually pumped it for you. Nice guy. I'd known him for a long time. I get saved. God begins to deal with me to witness to him. The next Sunday, I couldn't make it there. I I don't know if I didn't need gas. It was a little bit out of the way for me to get to this gas station, but I didn't. By the next time I went in, I found out he had passed away from a heart attack. I missed an opportunity. On world evangelism stage, we're seeing this now. We used to have churches, uh, numbers of missionaries in China. I went out uh, at conference with a, with three of them, uh, uh, and they were showing me pictures how a numbers of the missionaries of China all went to. Uh, they all went to Peter's Pizza, which is not great for food, but it had tables long enough. They had like thirty different missionaries in there who had all spent time in China. But the doors in China closed. The ability to get in and actually have someone live there is no longer available to us. That time came and that time went. Going to Russia... It's now become very difficult. They're scrutinizing, they're watching. Pastor Dave Suspansky, a year ago, tried to go, tried to get to, he uh, got approved for his visa, but by the time he landed in the airport, they had revoked it. He flew all the way to St. Petersburg. They tried, spent $500 to try to get him another visa just to get in, and they denied that, and he had to fly home. Getting into Russia used to be easy. I don't. I sent Pastor Sergei Golubov a Christmas
1: card, and it came back that the address was undeliverable. I know he didn't move. Are they rejecting our mail now? Doors
0: open, doors closed. This is natu- national. This is international.
1: This is personal. Time changes things. Whether that's geopolitical, culturally, or personally. First Corinthians 16.9, Paul writes and said, There's a wide open door for me for a
0: great work here. Also, there are many who oppose me.
1: Reality of the gospel. There's people who are for it. There's people who are against it. There's people who help you. There's people who resist you. That there are
0: opportunities that come and they're not there forever. People trapped in sin, perishing in hell. Because this is God's heart. He looks at the world, He looks at the multitudes.
1: He's moved. He's moved. He sees the need of the hour.
0: Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really slow about His promises, as some people think. No, but He's patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be
1: destroyed, but He wants everyone to come to repentance. This is the heart of God. Cori Ten Boone wrote in her book, Amazing Love. Age 101, if you're interested.
0: She said, if I straighten out pictures on, on the walls of your house,
1: am I committing a sin? But suppose your house was on fire, and I still went around calmly straightening
0: out all the pictures. What would you say then? Would you think I was merely
1: stupid or wicked? Today the world is on fire. What are you doing to extinguish it? And our text is
0: three questions in verse 14. Paul asks them backwards. He starts from the desired result to the how is this going to happen? He starts with how shall they call upon him to, uh, to be saved unless they believe in him? Right? We know people have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how we're saved. He had just gone through. And if you read and understand the book of Romans in a theological understanding, he has gone through to make this uh, statement of how uh, we're saved by faith. That does not give us a liberty to live in sin, but that we're saved through believing in Christ. He makes this statement in verse 13. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So many people make Christianity faith and. You want to be saved? It's faith and. You have to do works. Now, if you want to maintain your salvation, you need to live a holy life.
1: We'll touch on that tonight. But the desired result is that they'll believe. Because that's where salvation begins. That's how we're saved. They have a choice to make. How shall they believe upon him in whom they've never
0: heard? This isn't going to come out. Now, occasionally you'll read a story in Christianity Today or some other magazine about a Muslim community that had a dream. And I've read this. There was one particular village in Nigeria where everyone seemed to have the same dream that night and they converted from Islam to Christianity. But that's super rare. It's Peter who has the vision of the sheets falling down and the Lord speaking to him and also the angel appealing before Cornelius. You'd think if all these angels and visions You
1: know, the angel could have told Cornelius, but God didn't choose it that way. He chose people to do this. Finally, he asked the question, how shall they hear unless someone tells them? Which now is our responsibility. How would they hear? This is true of your neighbors. This is true of other cities, other places. In our text, in verse 15, he brings out that there are senders and there are goers. And both play a role in the propagation of the gospel. People who are willing to go. Our fellowship is a sending ministry.
0: We send people not only to other cities, but often to other nations. The highlight of our conferences is church planting. For instance, this last January, churches were planted in nations such as American Samoa in, uh, in Brazil. Uh, Braz- uh, uh, what is it? Belize, thank you. In the Bahamas, which I think lots of people will want to go and help that guy. But I'm just saying. In Bolivia, two into Peru, two into Madagascar. These are different people groups. These are worldwide. Six of these are missionaries uh, uh, start from going, leaving their country, going to another. The two in Madagascar are actually people from Madagascar being sent. But we celebrate that. In the States, we had one into Washington State, two into Nevada, one into Arizona, one into Pennsylvania, one into Illinois, and two into California. Which, ironically enough, there were words given for California, their rains and all that they're going through, and God's going to give them
1: revival. That's a highlight. People who prepare themselves to go. We have three churches out right now. It is my heart's desire to plant more in the Northeast and beyond. I mentioned Cleveland. It's four hours from here. Four. That's all. It is Midwest. It seems like it should be further away. I don't know why in my mind anyway. We have no fellowship churches there. I was actually
0: you know, I red-eyed it out, and it, as we were in the security line, Pastor Tom Cunningham was there. He pastors in New Philadelphia,
1: in Ohio. We were chatting, and I, I said, yeah, I was hoping I'm praying for Cleveland. He goes, oh, bro, what could we do? We partner, could we do this? Could we partner again? You know? How could we do this? That's the spirit of our fellowship. Acts chapter 13, verses 2
0: and 3. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work, which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands upon them and sent them on their way. But also in our text is the senders. How shall they? Preach, or how shall they go unless they are sent? This involves two things. This involves an actual organization that we're not just all free for alls. There's some places that they just wander about. They're especially in the para church, the outside the church Christian groups that I ran into. In Lithuania, some of them are very anti-church, which it just scratches my, it just
1: boggles my mind. I'm a Christian, but I don't like church. I'm an employee, but I don't like my work, so I don't go there. I'm a member of a, you know, <laughs> I join Planet Fitness, but I never go there. It involves organization, sending. Commissioning,
0: ordaining is the word. But it also involves those who would stand behind and support. I've met pastors and preachers, especially when I was a missionary, who were on their own, who had either boatloads of red tape behind them. The Assembly of God of great people. Uh, people I met from the Assembly of God in Lithuania, were, were, they were good people absolutely uh, saved, no question about it, loved God. Some of the Baptists I wasn't sure about, but, you know, the assembly of God, definitely, yes. And yet, for them to get uh, and support and how this all worked, they had to talk to this group over here, and this group over here, and this group here, and that group here, if they needed a car, if they needed this or that. They were always fascinated that I just made one phone call to my pastor. They were always fascinated by that came up to, uh, we had a kind of a homeschool co-op kind of thing, and it was like, uh, who could be in charge of this? And they were saying, oh, my bylaws, or I have to apply this in triplicate form and send it to Mars and get approval and comes back.
1: You know, it's like, I said, I'll just call my pastor. So I technically owned a school for a while. They
0: would have to go back to the States Many times for a year to raise money, go around to churches. I get calls occasionally from preachers. I got a call from one guy recently in the Rochester area. He was going to uh, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, somewhere down there. And he's like, you know, uh, he's like, can we go? I'm like, you know, we have our own churches. We have our own way of doing it. Uh, you know, but when I was a missionary, he goes, you were a missionary, I'd love to get in. So he said, I'll buy you lunch, just tell me about it. So I went out and just talked to him about some practical things about missionary and things that he's going to experience and, you know, the finances and keeping your license and all these kinds of things that, uh, you know, are not they're not out there. There's no help for these men. Great-hearted man, wants to
1: do something for God, begging for senders. That's not our fellowship. We are blessed. But
0: we're not on our own. When I was a missionary for fourteen years—eleven years in Lithuania, three years in Ireland—that the support, the teams, and it didn't just come from one section. The year, one year, I was in Ireland. I had ten different invasion
1: teams come from all over the world. The United States, from Holland, from England. They came to help. Came to be on the streets. The team, one team from uh,
0: Holland came with 45 people. And then actually they left on Saturday, but another team came in with 12
1: people. We had 57 people on the streets telling people about Jesus. It's a blessing. It's kind of my, you know, that church in Zwola is kind of like my third home.
0: Right? Prescott's my mother church at Cape Cod. I'm greatly associated. I got
1: saved there, but Zwola, My daughter and my son were there. They adopted us. They would come. Churches from England and such. Philippians 2:19. For if the Lord is willing, I hope to
0: send Timothy to you soon for a visit, that he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting on. Because God rewards
1: senders as much as he rewards the goers. He's into it. In John chapter 4,
0: Jesus says, Don't say there's four months, and then comes the harvest lift your eyes, look, the fields are white under harvest. This was probably a saying that they had, a kind of a local idiom. But it also brings to bear that the reality is the time was short. And then he says, one who sows and one who reaps gathers in the fruit that they both may rejoice together. Or the picture is, it's not just the labor of the one who actually reaped it. It was all that were involved in the work. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 41 and 42, that whoever, uh, uh, if you receive a prophet who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive a righteous man because of their righteousness, you will be given their reward. And even if you give a cup of cold water to the least of my followers, surely you will be
1: rewarded. The other thing that everyone who goes needs is prayer.
0: Paul asks almost every church he writes to, pray for me. He brings out, he says it very clearly in Ephesians 6.19, Pray for me too, that, and ask God to give me the right word so that I can boldly explain God's mysteries. Uh, mysterious plan, and that the good news for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, he just says it simple. Dear brothers and sisters, pray for us. There's something about praying for missionaries, praying for those who have gone. We don't just lift up the Stoles and the Harrises and the Van Epps just to fill time or to wave a flag, look, we planted some churches, just in case you didn't know that.
1: It is to lift them up that the gospel would go forth. One man said, we need bifocal vision. The balance of being concerned with both close to home and committed to world evangelism. It's our
0: responsibility to pray. It's our responsibility to help. Jesus said, pray that that workers
1: would go into the harvest. We send couples. We believe in that. It goes beyond that.
0: Paul made no bones about bringing the church into world evangelism. He tells the Romans, in Romans 15, 20 and 21, it's been my ambition to preach the good news wherever the name of Christ has not been heard, rather that when, uh, where there's a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plane spoken, uh, the plan spoken in the scriptures, where it says. Those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard will understand the commitment the desire to be part of something greater he says I want that's the that's the pentecostal to find a sinner and ask them do you know Jesus It's funny I was in the mall yesterday I handed a flyer to someone and I asked him I said he said, you know, we're a church, want to invite you out. Do you know Jesus? And he goes, No Jesus? I said, no, 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 no. Do you know Jesus? K a k n o w, Not just N-O, Jesus. No Jesus, you know. He's a little confused. He's like, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. So let's talk about beautiful feet. That's why the scripture says, verse 15,
0: How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. This actually comes out of Isaiah 52 and verse 7. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that God of Israel reigns. One commentator made the statement. He says, how beautiful are your feet? I dare say that I would not answer that mine are very beautiful. And most of us do not see our feet as objects of beauty. Oh, sure, there's some who get pedicures and toenails painted and such as that, but usually they're just mainly for pure functionality, to get us from one place or another. Our text tells us that beautiful are our feet because that's what takes us there.
1: It is said of Thomas the apostle that he walked from Jerusalem to India. It is said of Matthias, the one that replaced Judas, that he walked to Moscow.
0: It goes on, this commentator said, he goes on to say, and most eating establishes there's there's signs, no shirt, no shoes, no service,
1: because nothing is more appetizing and the smell of dirty, bare feet. And yet God says it's beautiful to me. It's beautiful to me that people are willing to bring the gospel. So, let's bring this down twofold. Blatant question. When is the last time you witnessed? Some of you can say yesterday. Went on an outreach yesterday. Witnessed to yesterday. Some of you got a thing. Been a while. Some of you probably just can't remember. Been that long. When is the last time you When it is? When is the last time that you prayed for those who have gone? For those who have
0: ventured out. We put up lists. We mentioned leadership churches because these men planted churches and there's care and responsibility of churches
1: under them. We're believing God to help them so that they can be more effective to plant churches. It is
0: my desire. There's lots of cities in upstate New York,
1: Pennsylvania, Ohio, going even into New England. Burlington, Vermont is a good city. Just needs a preacher. Vermont is one
0: of the states we do not have a church in. I think the other one is Maine. This is what we're contending for. Chris Lyons said these words. There is a suitable false teaching that says we can be evangelists without being evangelistical.
1: That it has to do with the belief that we go to church rather than we are the church. You're bringing the church with you wherever you go. You just go to church, then it's no big deal,
0: because you just go to a restaurant, you just go to wherever. But if you are
1: church, You're bringing it with you to evangelize. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. The good news of the gospel is you don't have to perish in your sins.
0: Sin separates you from God. Sin is disobedience to God. Sin is when you defiantly say, God, I'm going to do it my way. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. It's missing the plan and the purpose God has created you for. It's missing out on the blessing and the favor and the glory that God has for your life. That's what sin is. Why is it so destructive? Because it destroys your mind, your body, your, your relationships, your finances, and then will destroy your soul the good news is, Jesus came and died for sinners. He loves sinners. He cares for people who have, are messed up. He, 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 he loves messed up people. He cares for them. He wants to reach out to them. But you have to then respond to God's call. You have to be the one who believes. You have to be the one, after it's presented to you, that you say, yes, I need Jesus. I need God to forgive me. I need God to help me. And maybe you're here this morning. You're not right with God. Not saved, not born again. But you want to get your heart right with God. I wonder if you'd very quickly slip up your hand. Pray for me. Anyone at all. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe nobody knows it. But just you and God. You need to get your heart right with him tonight, this morning. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Changing the call then to Christians. The church is to be evangelistical. That's what it, that's its main purpose. That's the heartbeat of God. He cares about sinners. That's why we're all saved is because He cares about sinners. In your deepest depravity, He still loved us. That's amazing to me. And He still loves all of those who haven't heard. And we have a holy obligation before God to tell others. Go into all the world. Pastor Mitchell said of that, we don't need, you don't need to hear another voice. You don't need to feel, you know, impressions or whatever. That says it enough. That is our responsibility to plant churches. That is our responsibility to evangelize. That's enough. We need to take that seriously. Let's all stand. These altars are open, come talk to God. Ask Him to change your heart if that's what you need. We're going to sing a song out, Unfailing Love.